We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. A day and a half after wrapping up 36 years of public service, Brian Frosch is still figuring out what he wants to do next. Eight years in the Maryland House, two decades in the Senate, another eight years as Maryland's Attorney General concluded this week when Anthony Brown, another Democrat, was sworn in as the state's 47th Attorney General. Frosch had announced more than a year ago that he would not stand for re-election. Several speakers, like Governor-elect Wes Moore, paid tribute to Frosch. And our state has not seen a greater champion for climate has not seen a greater champion for people's rights. And, uh, and the truth is, is that anyone who is following you understands the enormous shoes they have to fill. This state is dearly and eternally indebted for your leadership. So bless you and thank you. Brian Frost joins us in his first hours out of elective office. Welcome back to On the Record. Thanks so much for having me, Sheila. It's great to talk to you. So some of this adulatory coverage of your last week's in office uh, and what was said to and about you on Tuesday has the feel of an obituary. He's gone. We'll say nice things about him. How are you feeling, free from the obligations of public office? Well, I loved being in public office. I loved being in the House, the Senate, and most of all, being attorney general. So I miss that already. I, you know, my dance card is completely open, but uh, it is a relief. It's a high-stress job. Uh, I, I have to say, I, I don't regret a second of it. It was, it was just incredibly gratifying and fulfilling. So I'll miss that. But I'm also glad to have a little more free time. Well, let me ask you about some of the issues you worked on in the legislature and as attorney general. Gun control. In the Senate, you led the fight for an assault weapons ban and tighter restrictions on gun dealers. You defended those laws as attorney general. But looking around, there is a lot of gun violence. 333 people were murdered in Baltimore City in 2022, and 262 of those homicides were by gun. So, What effect are these gun control measures having? Well, actually, they're having a very important effect. Um, If you look at the numbers, most of the guns used in crimes in Maryland come from out of state. And that appears at first blush to be a bad thing. But in fact, what it proves is that our gun laws work. Um, We, in the Firearm Safety Act of 2013, not only did we ban assault weapons, uh, we also required that people give their fingerprints to the state police when they apply for a license. It allows the police to do deep background checks. And what it means is that it's pretty darn hard if you've got a criminal record for you to get a gun in Maryland. You certainly can't do it legally. So most of the crime guns originate uh, from outside our borders. And unfortunately, there are 400 million guns in private hands in our country, and our borders are porous. And you can buy a gun in Virginia and drive across the border any day you want. Same for Pennsylvania. They both have pretty lax gun laws, and Maryland suffers from that. But our people, at least for the time being, are safer because of the important measures that we've taken. 
Another issue. I, I covered your effort as a senator to reform Maryland's cash bail system. You didn't get the legislature to pass it, but two years after you became attorney general, you persuaded the state judiciary to adopt rules that judges should impose, quote, least onerous conditions, preferably not financial terms. How's that working? Uh, it's doing well. It, it could be better. But the problem that we had was that we had thousands of people in jail for just one reason. They were poor. Many of them had committed minor crimes, trespassing, urinating in public, things like that. And judges would set cash bail for them in amounts they thought these people wouldn't have any trouble meeting. Um, you know, if, if they set bail at 2,500 bucks, all you need is 250 bucks. But for a lot of people, that's out of reach. And so people spent days and weeks and sometimes months behind bars, never having been convicted of anything, uh, just because they couldn't make bail. And the judiciary's action, the court, it was then the Court of Appeals, now our Supreme Court, passed a rule that just, you, know, you described perfectly. And it, there are fewer people now in jail because they can't make bail. And that's important. Look, if somebody's dangerous, they can keep them locked up. If, if somebody's not going to appear for their trial, they can hold them until then. But cash bail is a very, very dangerous uh, system. It's fine if you've got a lot of money. It's not so great if you're poor. It's Brian Frosch on the record and WIPR. I'm Sheila Cast. He stepped down this week after eight years as Maryland's attorney general and 28 years in the legislature. Um, it seems to me you led or joined countless legal challenges to the Trump administration. I mean, I'm sure they could be counted, but I haven't. The one that is foremost in my mind was the one you and the Attorney General of the District of Columbia, Carl Racine, filed over a word most of us hadn't paid any attention to, emoluments, the question of whether it was okay for President Trump to make profits from foreign officials staying at the Trump Hotel and other businesses. Essentially, the Trump team played out the clock and the Supreme Court dismissed the suit when he left office two years ago. So looking at that case, but, but all the others, how much effect do you think your challenges to Trump policies had? Overall, they had a, they had a huge impact. We won the vast majority of them. We were, as you alluded to, we, we were in somewhere between 90 and 100 lawsuits. We led some, we partnered with other attorneys general and most of them, and we won the overwhelming number of them, somewhere between 85 and 90%, maybe even more than that. And we stopped Trump in, in uh, the Muslim ban in the first several iterations. We stopped him from destroying the Affordable Care Act. There were hundreds of thousands of people in Maryland who depended upon that to pay their medical bills. And if Trump had gotten his way, uh, the Affordable Care Act would have been in the trash. We stopped him from taking away uh, uh, contraceptive benefits for women. We stopped him from rolling back important environmental protections. They tried to lift the emissions uh, on cars, on trucks, on landfills, on uh, industries and utilities. Um, they just wanted to 
to lift the restrictions on pollution. And we won every single one of those cases. Um, and in the area of civil rights, I already mentioned the Muslim ban, but you know they had some of the most inhumane policies, uh, the most inhumane policy in my lifetime, which was to separate children from their parents when they stepped across the border. And they didn't do it for national security. They didn't do it for public safety. Um, they did it as a deterrent. They thought that these people who were fleeing hunger and fleeing war uh, would somehow get the message that if they came across our border, we would break up their families. And, you know, they, they didn't bother to take the steps necessary to identify the kids to reunite them with their parents. It was just, I mean, it was outrageously cruel. And we, we were able to stop that and many of the other uh, cruel policies that Trump was involved in. Um, we had a huge impact. What do you count as your most important achievement as attorney general? I, you know, it's really hard to say. There, there are a bunch that I'm proud of. And one that I've uh, talked a bit about was uh, legislation that we sponsored a couple of years ago. Uh, if you don't pay a traffic fine, they'll suspend your driver's license. And it's not a big deal for most people. Talking about 75 bucks or maybe even up to a couple of hundred bucks, uh, depending on what the violation is and how long it takes you to, to pay it. Um, but for many people, there isn't an extra 75 bucks in the coffers. And it means either not paying the rent or not putting food on the table and or not getting your kids to the doctor. So we, our office sponsored legislation that did away with that policy. Well, the state's you know, still going to collect the money. They're just not going to use suspension of people's driver's licenses as a tool to beat it out of them. And the bill passed. And as soon as it passed, there were 130,000 people who could get back to work, get their driver's licenses, could take their kids to school and to the doctor. And um, I think that made a huge difference in the lives of those 130,000 folks and their families, and for the folks who've gotten traffic tickets uh, since. Um, so that, that's one I'm really proud of. The bail thing is also you know, high on my list, but there are so many other actions that we took and cases that we uh, tried that uh, I'm, the, the people in my office are just extraordinary. They do great work and um, they get great results. Your successor, Anthony Brown, said at his swearing-in on Tuesday that Maryland is a leader in police accountability and noted that the legislature in 2021 gave you the authority to investigate police-involved deaths of civilians. The next logical step is to consider independent prosecutorial authority. I look forward to working with the General Assembly starting next week to expand the authority pertaining to law. Oh, you're coming back. You're coming back. Next week, I'll be here waiting. <laughs> and we're going to work to expand that authority. As I understand it, your office investigated 23 cases and local state's attorney did not bring charges against anyone? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. The, the point of the legislation 
was to have somebody who doesn't work with the police officers who were involved in the death do the investigation. And state's attorneys are working with these folks every day of the week. At least people were concerned that uh, sometimes they gave him a pass when they shouldn't have. Um, the cases that we that we investigated, and, and that, that's why they gave us the authority or the responsibility to do the investigations. And you know, I think Attorney General Brown said in his speech that he's seeking the prosecutorial authority as well. I think that's a very good idea. I supported that. Uh, I think it makes the most sense to have the agency that investigates it also decide on the prosecution. But none of those cases are easy cases. And uh, in the 23 that we had in the first year of our uh, having that authority, uh, there were perhaps some close calls, but I don't have a beef with any of the prosecutors who uh, made the decisions uh, that they made. We need to take a short break on the record with Brian Frosch when we're back, the environment. And what's next? I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. I'm Katherine Collinson. And I'm Mihaela Vince. In upcoming episodes of Clear Path, Your Roadmap for Life, we'll discuss ways to catch up on retirement savings and the importance of self-care. Tune in to WYPR's website and mobile app, all major podcast platforms, and transamericainstitute.org. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Brian Frosch is generally a fairly soft-spoken guy. This week, passing the Office of Attorney General to his successor, Anthony Brown, Frosch was about as emphatic as he gets as he described the work of the office. These women and men recover hundreds of millions of dollars for the state and its people from predatory lenders, from Wall Street banks, from drug companies, tobacco companies, and polluters. They shut down sham charities. They indict and put behind bars some of the most dangerous people in the state, uh, violent gang members, human traffickers, drug traffickers, murderers, pill mill operators. They keep the state out of trouble. They give critically important advice to state officials and agencies every single day. Leading that office sounds like a great job, Brian. Why did you decide to leave it? Well... It's been a long time for me. I mean, as you said, I've been in office for 36 years, and I I didn't want someone else to tap me on the shoulder and say, dude, you stayed past your sell-by date. Um, I, I've been around a long time, and I thought it was time for somebody younger. And uh, I still, I know I'm going to miss it a lot, but... I think it was the right decision for 
uh, the office and the right decision for me, no matter how much I miss it. The environment has been your big issue. In the Senate, you chaired the Environment Subcommittee for a decade at least. What do you see as your most significant achievement on the environment? You know, there are a bunch, Sheila, but my second year in office, I hit two home runs, maybe even one was a grand slam, but um, one was the Maryland Recycling Act. It was very controversial. This is 1988. It was shockingly uh, controversial. And uh, I was the sponsor. Uh, It was passed. It was passed the first year I put it in. And it's meant that millions and millions of tons of waste have been recycled in our state when they wouldn't have been before uh, and would not have been until we passed uh, that law. The other, it was the same year, uh, Exxon and Texaco were exploring for oil in the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, I thought that was alarming. And I put in a bill to ban oil drilling in the Chesapeake Bay and, and bills to to create a regulatory regime for drilling on land, but it just banned drilling in the Bay. And that passed and it was, um, you know, hugely important. I don't know if they would have discovered oil in the Bay, but I do know that it would have been a train wreck for uh, the health of the Bay. And, uh, you know, we still have enormous problems with the Chesapeake Bay to bring it back to a state that is healthy for the the plants and animals that live in it and safe for Marylanders and uh, beautiful enough for Marylanders to uh, continue to enjoy. Well, and that's exactly where I wanted to ask you to to sort of broaden out beyond what you've accomplished, for, for which I congratulate you. When you look back over 36 years in elective office, how would you say we're doing on the environment compared to when you started? Gaining ground? Losing ground? You know, we've made heroic efforts. We really have. I mean, we've adopted stricter controls on auto emissions and emissions from industries and utilities and um, from wastewater treatment facilities. Um, And despite all of those aggressive measures, we are still losing ground. I don't think the Chesapeake Bay is making progress. It's kind of holding steady. We've been bouncing around the D minus years and years in terms of the Chesapeake Bay uh, Foundation's ratings. And um, there are a number of problems that we have failed to address, namely pollution from farms, runoff, nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus. Um, We have allowed too much of Maryland's landscape to be uh, developed, torn down forests and wetlands and uh, um, built up so that uh, the bay continues to suffer, the air continues uh, to be polluted. And uh, so we have a long way to go, and I'm not even talking yet about climate which is probably the the greatest environmental threat that humankind will, will face ever. 
This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast, talking to former Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch in his first few hours out of elective office. The superseding opinion you issued in November, wiping out pre-civil rights era opinions of your predecessors that you say, quote, stained the office of attorney general. What's the significance and what is the impact of doing that? Well, the opinions have been um, have, have been determined to be unconstitutional by uh, a series of court decisions, but uh, they've never been overturned by our office. And so in a certain sense, it was symbolic. But on the other hand, um, the opinions were shocking. I mean, as late as 1967, uh, the office was saying that uh, racial discrimination uh, or interracial marriage, uh, the ban on it, was was legal. And a few years before that, they had upheld um, racial discrimination in public schools. And it just seemed to me as if the record ought to be corrected and that it ought to be made clear that those are no longer uh, valid opinions of the office of the attorney general. And I have to say, um, my, my friend, the former attorney general of Virginia, Mark Herring, did something very similar. And he suggested to me that I should look at our opinions to see what they held. And once we opened the box, it was horrifying. And as a result, uh, we determined we were going to take official action, sweep them off the record. What's the best advice you got when you became attorney general eight years ago? You know, Steve Sachs was a friend of mine and a mentor and a wonderful person. He was the attorney general from 1978 to 1986. And he said that the most important job of the attorney general is to make sure that the state follows the law. And I certainly took that to heart. It was the basis for many of the actions that we took against the Trump administration. For Steve Sachs, it was uh, presented to him in high relief, I think right at the beginning of his first term, where he found out that the state was holding developmentally disabled adults in prison-like conditions. They were warehousing them in, in mental hospitals and they had no services. They had no real health care. And he said that's unconstitutional. And he uh, insisted that the state release them put them in settings where they could thrive, where they could learn, where they could be cared for appropriately. And I I mean, I think that's um, an enormously important lesson. And uh, one that I mentioned today in my talk, uh, Anthony Brown's uh, investiture, and one that I know, a lesson that I know Steve Sachs uh, taught to him as well. What's your advice for your successor? Well, uh, that was big. That was a big part of it. But um, the main thing, I, I guess, is that the office of the attorney general is just an incredibly powerful tool for 
protecting Marylanders, for improving their lives, and for delivering justice. And you can you can hold the office and just let it take its course, but you can use that tool to great effect. Uh, and uh, I hope and I expect that Anthony Brown uh, will do that. He's he's bright. He's got great experience, and I know he and I uh, share those values. And what's your future? How do you plan to spend your time? Well, I uh, I really don't know for sure yet. I've thought that it would be inappropriate for me to look for work while I'm AG. So I may start that tomorrow. We'll see. But I hope that I can still have uh, an impact on public policy. I'd like to be able to do work on uh, climate or poverty, democracy, or gun violence, or all of the above. Thank you for this conversation. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. This week, Brian Frosch concluded 36 years in elective office, the last eight as the state's chief legal officer, the attorney general. I'm Sheila Cass. Glad you're with us on the record. Join us again tomorrow. Tomorrow.